The Thread is a new hit podcast from Aussie Media that explores history's surprising connections in order to discover how one thing leads to another, like how John Lennon's murder connects all the way back to communist leader Vladimir Lenin. Get it on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen. You are entering the Freedom Hut. What is really going on at the border when it comes to this family separation issue? We're finding out more facts, and it's a more complicated issue than the Democrats would have led you to believe. No shock there, I'm sure. Plus, the latest on who will take over for Kennedy on the Supreme Court and an incident in San Antonio involving a drink getting thrown in the face of a Trump supporter. But some are saying it's more complicated. We'll dive into that and much more coming up on The Buck Sexton Show. This is The Buck Sexton Show, where the mission mission is to decode what really matters with actionable intelligence. Make Make no mistake. America. You're a great American again. The Buck Sexton Show begins. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. Buck Sexton. It is Buck Sexton. Now. Welcome to The Buck Sexton Show, everybody. Thank you so much for being here. Great to have you with me. Quite a uh, quite a bunch of things to get to today here on the show. Uh, first, I just note that the, uh, the the SCOTUS. By the way, is SCOTUS a thing that we should should we just say Supreme Court? You know, it's like when people say POTUS. I'm like only people in D.C. really say that, and even D.C. people probably shouldn't. D.C. people also love to say the optics of something, which I guess has now gotten to be a little more of a thing beyond the district. And people also call it the district. Look what I just did. And writ large. DC people love to say writ large. Eh. The thing we shouldn't say as much as we do around here. Uh, but you have some very interesting new uh, new information about what's really going on at the border. Uh, which, as you know, is, has become the rallying cry for the left. Uh, the rallying cry for the left. And they're saying they want to abolish ICE. They want to abolish ICE. Oh, by the way, they abolished Scott Pruitt today, as in he is no longer EPA <laughs> EPA chief. But we'll get to that. We've got to talk about Scott Pruitt. I'm not going to leave that one off because I've got mixed. I got some mixed feelings on it. But I, I want to focus on immigration first. Immigration first. Uh, we had the HHS secretary on the immigration and family separation issue, giving some stats, giving some what's actually going... Because remember, abolish ICE was the, was what we've been hearing. Oh, we've got to abolish ICE. It's so terrible what they've been doing. And then there's actually the, well, what's really happening down there? Why do we see this, uh, this big surge at the border? What's really going on? And how are we processing people? And are these all parents with their kids? Do we even know? Here is what uh, was said on this. Play clip six. This is HHS Secretary Alex Azar. Play six. So we have about 11,800 children who are not with their parents. So we are the department that deals with separated children. And we, did, we have dealt with over the last several years hundreds of thousands of children who have left their parents or whose parents have sent them illegally into this country. And then they come into our custody. On these children that we have that are age zero to four, Two of those children's purported parents 
have been charged with or convicted of rape and kidnapping, child abuse, and narcotics violations. This is what we do. We are supporting child welfare and working to protect these kids. So it may seem easy, oh, why don't you just send these kids back over to ICE and re reunify these families? We have a vital and historic mission here to protect these children, to make sure that these are in fact their parents, and make sure that it is a safe environment that we are placing them back into. And we will use every minute of time the court gives us against its deadline to ensure that that mission of child welfare and support for these kids is fulfilled. HHS has until Tuesday to begin placing some of these children with their parents. That's according to this court deadline. But can I can I just note here that you have uh, 11,800 separated children who entered the country illegally or were sent illegally by parents. Only a few thousand of them were actually separated from their parents at the border. Folks, that means that you have thousands and thousands of parents who have sent their kid to make the border crossing without any adult supervision except for coyotes and drug cartel members. That is appalling. Well, why do we never get to talk about this part of the story? It says, oh, Trump is so evil and the zero tolerance policy, it's so mean, it's inhumane, it's Nazi concentration camps. Who's sending their kid to cross the border illegally? And don't forget, I would note, that the hope is that the kid will then be used as additional leverage to bring in more family members down the line, too. So it's not, this isn't just for the benefit of, of the, the child. In many cases, the adolescent. But this is a deeply irresponsible thing to do. And as we know from the, the photo of that young girl, the little baby, she was like three or four years old, was crying, and that became the iconic image of this parental separation border issue. The mother just took her. She had a husband, a guy who was middle class. I think, he was, I think they were from Guatemala, but I could be confusing which Central American country. But, you know, just... Decided to take the kid, wanted to, I guess, be with other folks, relatives, whomever in the States, and decided to just do it. And the husband was angry about it, was really worried. So, you know, this is a so much, there's so much more going on here. It's such a more complicated issue. And as I've also been saying to you, you know, they, they don't tell you about how much this has enriched the drug cartels. They don't tell you about how those same cartels that are getting rich off of the, quote, migrant smuggling, bringing illegal aliens into the country. That's what's really... Legally, that's what's happening. You know, I saw Politico today, which is obviously a, I guess you could say, a, a competitive or competitor political website. And they tweeted out something about undocumented immigrants. And every time I see that, I kind of want to throw something at the wall. Undocumented immigrants is a nonsense, made up term. The only part of it that is useful is that anyone who uses it either doesn't think about what they are saying or is actively engaged in propaganda. We have something called the federal code, federal criminal code in this country. Do you know what it says? Somebody who enters the country without legal permission to do so is called an illegal alien. This is a legal term. It is not a slur. It is not racist. It does not just apply to Mexicans or Central Americans. Anyone. You could be, you know, 
Thurston Howell III's cousin from Great Britain, and if you are in the country without legal permission, sorry, but you have to go. You're an illegal alien. That's just the facts. But they use this term undocumented immigrant when in, re- in reality, they have documents, they just, don't, they just don't have the documents that they want. Undocumented immigrants, I tell you, you see this, I even occasionally will slip into, it'll slip into my vocabulary just because you hear it so much, the power of repetition, the power of propaganda, that's what they're engaged in here. Uh, but, but they'll use this term, you know, it, it's, it would be like saying that somebody who engages in, uh, somebody who engages in shoplifting is just a forgetful customer. You know, today there was an arrest of a forgetful customer at Kmart who walked out with $200 of merchandise stuffed into his pants without paying for it. But, you know, it's just a forgetful customer. Doesn't that, doesn't that a little bit skew the debate, the discussion, right? An undocumented immigrant. They just, just give them the document. Then they're a perfectly normal immigrant, right? That's what they do. So many lies on this issue. And by the way, the media has been terrible on in part because of their worldview, they're kind of internationalist, cosmopolitanist. Oh, we're all, you know, all nations are as good as other nations. In fact, America has a debt of, uh, you know, a, a debt to pay to the rest of the world because of all of our exploitation and our capitalism and our racism and our history of oppression and everything, you know, and our wars. And th- that's a, a lot of so-called sophisticated thinking in the media involves that. Or sophisticated thinkers believe that. But then you look at this, you find out that we're so focused on the kids separated from their parents at the border, there's been so much less interest in, what about the thousands of kids that are just sent to the border? Oh, here's another part of this that, you know, uh, people won't talk about, there won't be a media focus on, but I think there, there obviously should be much a much greater focus on it, and that is uh, that, you know, when, when you look at this issue, there's also the liability the liability of putting children into a situation where they could be abused. Do you think that the, you know, the the various legal groups and things like that, that, you know, if the government does not make darn sure that that the kids that are being given back to these adults that claim to be their family members, if anything bad happens to them, he already said you've got, you've had two of the parents have been charged with rape, kidnapping, and child abuse. So all these people are saying, you know, reunite the families, reunite the families, reunite the families. Well, there's also some danger there for these kids, as well as some liability for the government. And that adds another layer onto this, which is, what do you do? Well, now you've got DNA testing. Play clip seven. Every child is accounted for. We know every child where they are. Uh, we know we know in our records the last time any kid had their fingernails clipped. We have comprehensive records on 11,800 kids in our care and custody, um, and so we will comply with the court's order. Now we will work with the court. We are doing so today to get clarification and hopefully support from the court to allow us to do our job to ensure that, in fact, these are parents of the children and ensure that they are suitable suitable individuals to go back to these parents for. We're doing DNA testing 
on everybody who claims to be the parent of one of our children to confirm that. We check birth certificates. We have surged 230 HHS people and contractors out to ICE facilities to sit with the parents to get information to prove suitability and parentage of them to work through this process. Because what we care about is the kids' welfare. Our instructions are clear. Our path is clear. There is no confusion whatsoever. Meanwhile, you got people saying that, that our government's acting like, like Nazis, and these are concentration camps. I mean, they're, they're doing this as efficiently and as safely and as best they can. This has been forced on our government by non-citizens, by illegal aliens. And I also would note, you are paying for all of this, folks. DNA testing and all this stuff. This is, your tax dollars are now going to try to figure out who's actually related to who and everything else by people that are breaking our laws. And then you get these haughty editorials being written. Oh, Trump doesn't want to give due process to, you know. So, so now does every illegal alien who shows up in America get to say, I want to be I, I want to seek asylum. Yeah, that's right. I'm an asylum seeker. I want to go through a whole process. Do you know how quickly our courts would be overwhelmed with this? Well, and what is due process? And, and once you get these activist groups involved as well, they're going to they're going to sue. They're going to get a court to give a stay. And I mean, this. Folks, this is this starts to look more and more like they're just trying to collapse the immigration system. I mean, just make it so that it's effectively impossible for us to have an orderly immigration system. That doesn't seem to be a side effect. That seems more and more to be the intent. Um, I I just found it very interesting today, this uh, information from the HHS secretary on this. Um. And, and I feel like there's not nearly enough attention paid to it because the issue is much more complex than we've been led to believe, and there's a lot more going on here. 844-900-2825, 844-900-BUCK. What do you think about this? Also, if you want to just share some stories from your 4th of July, whatever you got, better known as Independence Day, sorry, whatever you got on your mind, let me know. 844-900-BUCK. We'll be right back. We operate under a court order that requires, that forbids the Department of Homeland Security from holding family units together for longer than 20 days. If you can believe it, there is a court order saying that you can't keep a family together for more than 20 days. You would have to separate the children and give them to us. So historically, we don't focus on reunifying them. We now have a conflicting court order, more recent, saying send the kids back and reunify them into the Department of Homeland Security's custody. That just came out a week ago Tuesday. We have to confirm that these are in fact their parents and we have to confirm that they are appropriate people to be having custody of these children. The whole thing's a mess. Uh, conflicting court orders, oh, you know, but it's so easy to be you know, morally, uh, morally pure on this, to be a self-righteous leftist, you know, and just run around like, oh, my gosh, they're like Nazis at the border. Look what they're doing. Meanwhile, you get the, you know, we're, our system isn't set up for this. This is an abuse of the system, this whole using children as a means of getting access into the country for adults, adults using kids, claiming asylum and all that. And the Obama administration kicked the door wide open for this stuff with the way they were handling it. And they knew. They knew. If everyone that you take in who comes with, if everyone who shows up with a kid can claim asylum even when they don't go through the actual established asylum process, and they all get released into the interior of the United States for a hearing, 
and word gets back to Nicaragua and Guatemala and El Salvador and Honduras that there's basically no chance that you will be deported if you bring a kid with you and you go through this process. Guess what happens? Exactly what we've seen. And Obama and his team knew it. But, you know, we, we had Azar there. I'm, I was just talking to producer Mike with this in the break. It's so surprising. This is important stuff. I didn't see, I, very few people really seem to pick up on this interview today. But, you know, the Freedom Hut team, we know what's up. We know what's important. But very few people were focusing on this. Meanwhile, you got the left focusing on things like like this protest. You know, they're really upset over ICE, so they were protesting it. Uh, play 13. ICE is not welcome in this country. HSI is not welcome. I don't support what they do. I think it's a blasphemy. We're really calling on the community to say that this is not okay, that we're going to fight back. We're not going to let people just disappear like this. No person is illegal. Again, Oakland Police Department confirming this had to do with a federal criminal search warrant that had to do with human sex trafficking of juveniles. Yeah, you kind of catch that one there, folks. You had these people who were protesting ICE saying, we love our neighbors. Uh, so as ICE agents, hat tip the Federalists for this one, as ICE agents were busting a child prostitution ring, which, remember, human smuggling, these kids, they're out of the, you know, they're not really in the system, they're brought in this country, they're exploited, some of them in the, in the most horrific ways. As Immigrations and Customs Enforcement is saving kids from sexual slavery, you've got this pack of idiots that are out there talking about how, you know, no one is illegal and we hate ICE and we love our neighbors and all this stuff. Well, I'm, I'm hoping that they, if they knew what was going on, these idiot protesters would be rooting for ICE to stop the child sex trafficking ring. I'm, I'm, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt and assume that they would be like, high five, ICE, thanks for saving kids. But, you know, it's just so much easier to make the problem all about, you know, Trump and it's it's all Trump's fault and it just everyone gets to give themselves a pat on the back here. Oh, look at us. We're so brave. We're so we're the ones that are stopping this from you know, we're stopping the Nazi camps at the border. You know, abolish ICE. It really is the abolish ICE is a rallying cry for idiots now. Abolish ICE. Abolish ICE. And this would be like saying, "Yeah, let's just let's just abolish I don't know, the FBI." You know, I mean, let's just get rid of the whole thing. Well, what are we going to do? Who's going to enforce federal criminal law, folks? We're going to let local sheriffs do that? They'll coordinate among themselves? I mean, that seems to me to be a problem. But that's where the Democrats are. Just just grasping at anything. It's all nastiness and bile and vitriol. There's not a message. I keep going back to this. It's so important. Remember, the Tea Party mobilized around ideas to make the country better The left going into this midterm is mobilizing around ways to make the country angrier, poorer, and more hateful. He's back with you now, because when it comes to the fight for truth, the buck never stops. Oh, man, did you see this? Do we, do we have Schumer out there trying to make the case that uh, trying to make the case that we should go with Merrick Garland? I mean, are these people serious? 
Mike, can you grab that for me? I saw that before. This, this is what Schumer's now saying. And we should go with a, a Supreme Court nominee. Now that, Hillary, now that the Hillary machine has been defeated, and now that the sore loserdom of the left has been on display in in an in, in incredible fashion, now's the time for us to reach out to the other side. I mean, they, they, they have wanted to put our president, and it's their president too, our American president, in prison from day one of his presidency. I mean, they are... They have completely lost their mind. Oh, oh, but now we're hearing about, well, wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be a nice healing moment to just bring Merrick Garland? Oh, yeah, that's right. Because, because, you know, Merrick Garland's name has been emblazoned on water towers across, you know, small town America now for months and months. Ever Bring back Merrick. Bring back Merrick. Nobody cares. Please. What a bunch of nonsense. Yeah, that's right. Or, or people are saying things like Merrick, the stolen Supreme Court seat. Stolen implies illegally taken. How was it illegally taken? Someone explain that to me. Or what even what rule was broken that you didn't have Merrick Garland? You know, elections have consequences. One of the consequences was Republicans had the seats in the Senate to prevent Mitch McConnell. I'm sorry, to prevent Merrick Garland. Mitch McConnell's like, why are you bringing me into this? Uh, to prevent uh, Merrick Garland from getting a, uh, an, you know, the up or down vote. Getting any vote. So, this is the deal. You know, this is from the same people, I would remind you, the the same people who are now calling for civility on this. And by the way, Mike, am I crazy or is there a Schumer soundbite somewhere on that one? Let me know if we can get that, just just so I can get him on the record. Yeah, I'm not seeing a soundbite yet, but I'm still looking. All right, all right, all right. Well, well, it's close enough. I think it's a thing that happens. I tend to be right. But the same people that have been wanting to destroy the Trump presidency, the same people that are... You know, pushing to uh, lock up Trump's senior most advisors and everything else. Now they're the ones out there who are like, oh, yeah, let's let's get a consensus candidate. I'm sorry, folks. That's this is one thing that Trump. Yeah, here we go. I've got it here. Chuck Schumer appealed to President Donald Trump. Uh. Okay, this is, I'm sorry, Mike, it was reported in the Washington Post. That's where it was. To repeat his president, predecessor's choice and nominate federal judge Merrick Garland to the Supreme Court as a way to unify the country. According to the Washington Post here, the president phoned the New York Democrat on Tuesday afternoon to discuss the Supreme Court vacancy. Schumer warned Trump of cataclysmic consequences if he picked a nominee that is hostile to the Affordable Care Act and Roe versus Wade. Uh, all right, so... This is one of the this is one of the very important points of of lunacy for the left. Five four decisions that go their way are sacrosanct. Five four decisions that go our way are super narrow and don't count. And we just reject that. There's no that's not based on any principle. It's just me me me. I want I want my way my way. No. That's not okay. Sorry, whiny liberals. You don't you don't get to just play that game. And I will say there are, there are a few areas where I think Trump would be Trump would have a a major break with his base that would be unmendable, that would be unfixable, and that would devastate his presidency. And and this is one of them. There is no he he gave a list. He promised the list. They can't stop him from nominating some of the left side. 
by the way, I have I have zero fear or concern. Those of you are like, fuck, come on. I know I have zero concern here that Trump is going to pick somebody from the list. I, you know, he is solid on this one. Okay, you can take it to the bank. Far from Nancy Pelosi. Uh, Donald Trump will not be. Remember that Donald Trump will not be president. Take it to the bank. Whoops. Well, I guess I'm not good at predicting election. Uh, but the, I mean, the, the Democrats are just putting out this. They're just launching into a desperate campaign to come up with some rationale for why, ultimately, why they should get their way on this. Uh, you got a bunch of them here. Harris, Booker, Warren. Oh, my gosh. The future of the country, they say, is at stake. Play clip nine. There is so much at stake, and this is a fight that is born out of love of country, and we're not going to let anyone take our flag. Don't tell me that this battle is one that's already lost. I do not believe that. What's at stake? The future of America is at stake. And let me be clear to all of you, and let me be clear to America, we are down in this fight, but we are not out. No, you're out. I'm here to tell you, Elizabeth Warren. I'm here to tell you, you uh, you're gonna you're gonna lose this one. Same thing, Cory Booker. Sorry, you can yell. Sounded very very impassioned. You're gonna lose this one. This one's not gonna go your way, and it shouldn't. It should. There's there's no reason for it to. Does anyone think that if Hillary Clinton had won, that they would not have gone with the most radical left-wing judge imaginable. I mean, when you look at who Obama was putting on the uh, in, in, on federal courts in the federal courts, when you look at it, it was just people who were activists in judges' robes all over the place. One of the most lasting and damaging legacies of the Obama presidency is that about 30% or so of the federal bench has been seated with Obama left-wing acolytes. That's not going away anytime. Now, Trump Trump is doing a good job, I think, of trying to uh, balance that out now and, and regain ground for constitutionalism, conservatism. But, you know, what, what's so interesting, and, and I, I feel like this gets lost in all the partisan squabble, there's a very clear difference in conservative and liberal constitutional jurisprudence. And they can dress it up with lots of fancy talk and blah, blah, press it, all this other stuff. Here, here's the reality. Conservatives look at the text of the law and say, what does the law say? And is that constitutional? Liberals, liberal justices, the best example of this is Sotomayor, but there are others as well. Liberals look at look at a law and say, well, do I like what this law would mean, whether it is constitutional or not? And that is how they base their decisions. One of them is rooted in legal principle. The other is just preference and power. That's that's the distinction. That is it. Roe versus Wade is emblematic of this implied right to private, you know, do, do I have an, is there an implied right to everybody has to give Buck Sexton millions of dollars every year in the Constitution? Because 
there's as much of that in the Constitution as there is anything about abortion in the Constitution. Right? I mean, this is just this is just fantasy land stuff. Roe is indefensible as a matter of law. If if the Constitution guarantees the right to an abortion, then the Constitution guarantees the right to anything that anyone on the Supreme Court says at any point in time. Right? Anything. Anything can be in there. Come up with whatever you want, it's in there. Just you just gotta get five people picked by politician to say that it's in there. And that's it. And there's no there's no grounding, there's no foundational, rational, legal truth to anything. So that's, you know, yes, I mean, most importantly, there are lives at stake here with, for unborn children. Uh, but then there's also this general legal principle of we need to repudiate, we need a repudiation. And this is what I think the left doesn't understand. I'm not okay with this game that they play. Well, we'll get some, you know, we're going to try to like have this political balancing. No, no, no. I reject the constitutional jurisprudence such as it is of Sotomayor and Ruth Bader Ginsburg and Elena Kagan. I, I, I reject it. I do not think that it is okay. I do not think it is correct. I do not think that it is, you know, another way of doing things that's just as good as our way of doing things. I think that for decades, liberals have done violence to the Constitution via picks that they have made to the Supreme Court. I think that they have damaged individual rights. I think they have damaged individual liberty and the right to life. And I think that it needs to stop. I'm not looking for a truce now. I'm looking for the right thing to be done. And part of that is righting the wrongs of the past on the court. So th- this is why you have this, this, this fundamental philosophical difference on display. You know, the liberals run around acting like, oh, no, we just need to come up with a way to, you know, get back to a balance. No, it's not about a balance, okay? This this is not a... They think of the Supreme Court like a bicameral legislature. We need, you know, we need a two-party system here, Democrats and Republicans. I think of the Supreme Court as I want judges who know the law, who look at the law and know the Constitution and just call balls and strikes about whether something is constitutional. That is it. Not, I'm going to help society advance by making this thing the law. Not, I'm going to come up with a way that I can contort the law to fit my preferred policy ends. That's what liberals have been doing. And Roe is the one where it's just, sorry, it is, it, there is no good faith argument that, that abortion is covered in the Constitution. It does not exist. That is, that is a complete, it's a lie. You know, these people are lecturing us all the time about lies. Roe v. Wade is a lie. One that countless people in academia and the media have been the notion that you have a constitutional right to an abortion is a lie. People say, oh, Bark, but I, I'm not saying that it, it has not been a lie made real through power and through the media, through the government apparatus, and through no small amount of evil, but it is a lie. And one that we have been forced to choke on for far too long. And it's a lie that has had a tremendous moral cost on this nation, not to mention all the shattered lives, all the shattered lives of the unborn and also the people who have had the abortions. Never the same after. They may not realize it. They may not realize it till their last moments on earth, but not the right move. Just not the right move. Uh, 
So we'll see where this ends up. Senator Ben Cardin, he's also uh, he's also taking this, you know, this not that this guy knows anything, but he's taking this position too. We need to balance the Supreme Court. Play ten. I think what the American people need to be concerned about is that we're talking about changing the balance on the Supreme Court that's going to affect their rights. A woman's right of choice, uh, labor rights, worker rights, consumer rights. We need an independent Supreme Court that's going to protect your constitutional rights. We're talking about a Supreme Court that will not follow precedent, that has an agenda. The list that's been prepared for the president comes from a group that has an agenda. Uh, that's what's at stake here. It's, it, it's more than just one issue. It's the whole direction of the court to uh, to follow what the president wants rather than what the American people need. Just blather. All blather. None of that has any intellectual weight or merit whatsoever. Blah, blah, the court balance, everything. No, no, no. We don't have, you'll notice, we don't have a liberal constitution and a, and a conservative constitution. We have one constitution, one founding document, written in one language, written with words that we should all be able to understand. We have one federal criminal code. We have one set of laws that we should all be able to read and understand. Not different, oh, I see this and you see that and, you know, tomato, tomato. No, that's gone. That needs to be gone forever. This is a fundamental philosophical difference between left and right and is one in which we are in the right. 844-900-2825, 844-900-BUCK. We will be right back. It will be a big fight, and that's appropriate, frankly. I think it's healthy. This is how a democracy speaks. This is how issues get vetted and vented, and people are able to make their claim. And as long as the fight stays within reasonable bounds, this is exactly how our democracy works. And then those senators in the tough states, Maine for for Senator um, Collins and uh, Indiana, Mm -hmm. for example, West Virginia, the Democrats, the people will give those senators an indication of which way they wanted to go. Our process works. There are so many Democrats and liberals who see this as a very dire situation because Roe versus Wade, you know, abortion yeah. could become illegal in this country, okay? The, the stakes are extremely high. But how, how much does somebody's faith impact their jurisprudence? Yeah. That's, that's yeah. the key question. That is the key question. It could totally just upset the dynamic of this nation. And Democrats really, I mean, they can they can scheme, they can plot. The undertone of the discussion about Barrett is she's very conservative, she's also Catholic, and she's written a lot about how, you know, she's written some about how Catholics should view policy and how being a strong Catholic should influence policy. Some are writing about the death penalty, versus which she seems to be very against the death penalty, which the church is very much against as well. So the question is become, like, if you're a strong Catholic who's anti-death penalty, are you also a Catholic who's very strong and therefore going to be committed no matter what to opposing Roe v. Wade. I just want to understand something. So are, are we saying that there is a religious test? Because I'm pretty sure the Constitution says there's not a religious test. Notice how you had Ari Fleischer there, Republican, being like, yeah, look, it's a process. We'll get through it. And then you have all these Democrats over at CNN like, oh, my gosh, like a Catholic. Like, ah. Religious test. That's not allowed. So do we have one? I just want to make sure Democrats are clear on this. Is it, does that mean no, no, no Catholics allowed for the Supreme Court? I'm just wondering if somebody were uh, an Orthodox Jew, would we would we allow the media to be like, well, you know, they're 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 uh, you know believe very deeply in the Torah. You know, the Torah is strong with this candidate for. I think that would be a big problem, and as it should be. Uh, if there was a if there was a Muslim who was up for 
the high court. And all of a sudden people are like, whoa, whoa, with the Koran and the, you know, the, you know, the, all the different slavery and all the stuff that's in the Koran. No, 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 no. People would lose their minds saying it was bigotry. But with a Catholic, yeah, you know, she's a little too Catholic for me. I don't think she can be on the court. Eh, I think that's a little problem. A little bit. That's what they're saying. So, I mean, I sit here as a Catholic and I'm like, oh, this is interesting, isn't it? If you're actually, a, if, if you if you believe in Catholicism and go to church, and I got a whole, we got to have a whole conversation, my fellow Catholics listening, about those of you who are like, yeah, I'm just going to like vote for like the Nancy Pelosi's. You know, she's a Catholic. You know, yeah, sure. And she supports abortion all nine months of a presidency as a, nine months of a pregnancy, pardon me, as a, uh, you know, despite what the church says about it. But and as a public figure, she does that. It's even worse than as a private citizen. Um, she should be excommunicated. But meanwhile, people are like, yeah, we just vote for her because, you know, why not? Anti-Catholic bigotry, one of the last acceptable ones in the media. The one constant I have every day is coffee. And if you've ever found yourself having a little bit of a what-the-heck-am-I-drinking moment, I don't need this commie left-wing coffee company stuff, then I have the answer to your problem, my friends. Black Rifle Coffee. I think that they have simply the most delicious-tasting coffee you can get right now on the market. And also, it's the only coffee company I know of where each time you're having a cup, you are basically drinking pure freedom. And you're supporting veterans, a veteran-owned and operated company in the process. Go check it out for yourself. Visit BlackRifleCoffee.com slash buck. Receive 15% off your order. That's BlackRifleCoffee.com slash buck for 15% off. BlackRifleCoffee.com slash buck. Also, join the coffee club where they send it to your front door each month. BlackRifleCoffee.com slash buck. Buck Sexton. Permission. Decoding the news and disseminating information with actionable intelligence. One small thing. Make no mistake. America. Ready. Great. You're a great American. Again. This is the Buck Sexton Show. Activate. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. Buck Sexton. It is Buck Sexton. Now. Welcome back to the Buck Sexton Show. EPA Chief Scott Pruitt is out. He has resigned. Another Trump appointee, another Trump senior official here is now gone. And I, I got it. He's he's resigned, so he wasn't you know like fired or anything. But he basically was bowing to the public pressure here. I'm contrarian on this. I'm not a Pruitt truther, okay? But I'm contrarian. Let me explain why. I'm not the only one, although I would note that some very smart conservatives and Trump supporters I know who are like, none of this guy's just he's he's gross. He exercises poor judgment. Uh, Chuck Grassley over at the uh, what uh, Senate Judiciary wrote a letter. They're like, this guy lost the trust of the people. He just became toxic. That was what it, that that is for sure. Right. Pruitt became this symbol of uh, what's. Uh, of the swamp and all this other stuff. We here play play seventeen. 
It's hard to believe that this has gone on so long right. with all of the allegations involving Scott Pruitt. Clearly, he does not have the ethical standards that we expect of our you know, senior officials. But it's not surprising because we have somebody in the Oval Office who doesn't have a strong ethical record. Right. And so this feeling of self-entitlement, which I think you know, shows what Scott Pruitt has been doing for the past you know, several months or you know, the last year and a half, I think it just really just underscores the a cancer that is within this administration. This is a huge opportunity, actually, the Democrats to put uh, pro-human environmental issues onto the agenda instead of this more vague indictment of, of regulations per se. Ah, first of all, that was Brennan over, I think, MSNBC, where, you know, now the former CIA director. I mean, he's just he's embarrassing my my old home agency all the time now. I don't know. I know people would say Brennan's act they, they like him, but I, I actually didn't know him, but clownish analysis from him all the time now clownish and hayden too who i worked for i knew mike now he's tweeting out photos of uh of of birkenau or buchenwald uh and saying that that's like our southern borders comparing it to concentration camps i mean it's just idiocy these guys are running the premier intelligence agency in the country in the world in some cases or in some people's opinions uh man but uh, he's saying here that, you know, it's about ethics. You'll notice how I, I've got objections to this. And, and I'm like I said, I'm a contrarian. So if you want the everyone's like, yeah, Pruitt, he had to go. He had to go. That's what everyone's saying. Ah, hold on a minute. Hold on. Let, let, let's just let's just hold your horses, folks. I'm not sure that they've got this one right. I, maybe he had to go because it wasn't worth defending him anymore. But the story around him, I'm not buying all of it. And let me explain why. First of all. You know, you see that what Brennan said there. I mean, I played the soundbite because it's useful. Notice how anything, anything that involves anyone leaving Trump or resigning from the administration, it's always just used to bash Trump more, which is why I start to feel like the same way in media now with the left, you never apologize. You can't apologize. You only apologize if you legitimately think that you made a mistake. And that's, you know, that that's a, a personal decision. You know, so if I come out and apologize for something I've said or done, it's because I think that I made a mistake, which can happen and, and will happen at some point. But I will not apologize because people come down on me. Right. I will not apologize because the left is out for blood, because all they do then is smear your face in your own blood. Right. All they do then is make you wallow in it afterwards. They, they don't they don't give you forgiveness there. There is no they don't wave the hand and give you absolution. They just use your confess. They, they just torture you until they get the confession, and then they lop your head off once you've confessed. That's the left's approach now, and that's why don't resign, don't apologize. This is the mantra now. It should be because you're just feeding, feeding that hungry crocodile, and it it's never enough. It's never ever enough. So that's one part of this, and you're just giving them more fodder to come after Trump and everything else. It's, so that's one part of it. But why do they hate this guy so much? They'll tell you it's about the scandals. And and I know here, here we go. We got, we got CNN, the enemy of truth. They've got uh, a, a listing here of all of Pruitt's scandals. And it's things like, you know, he took a trip to Morocco, cost $20,000. It took... Uh, you know, he took first class flights that cost, you know, and a few times on a military jet price of $60,000. He was costing the government, you know, tens of thousands of dollars. Uh, 
here and there. Um, and he said he took first-class flights instead of commercial flight or instead of uh, economy flights because of... Now, remember, they, he said that because he was worried people were going to be hostile. He's the same guy that gets accosted in restaurants and people are mean to him. So I don't think that that's actually a stretch. Whether he should get first-class flights or not, you know, we'll see. But, you know, the attorney general folks, and not just this one, all attorney general, you know, Eric Holder, Jeff Sessions, whoever, they fly on private DOJ jets everywhere. You know, a lot of these big bureaucrats. You know, what I really want is a, a comprehensive analysis of who's spending what in the government on themselves. Because I promise you, look at how much, look at how little the outrage was when we found out that Andy McCabe, who's now a martyr on the left because, you know, he's part of the anti-Trump cabal, Andy McCabe at the FBI spent $70,000 on an FBI conference table. Let me tell you, I've spent time in different FBI facilities, uh, and they generally look like bus depots on the inside, and I'm okay with that. Not a lot of $70,000 conference tables, but that that they just kind of skipped over. Oh, and the, but they redacted at first. DOJ didn't want us to know that, but then we found out, and they didn't make such a big deal of it. How much uh, was spent on Michelle Obama's staff, by the way? She's not an elected official. She's the first lady. Go back and look at that. Her staff is much bigger than Melania's staff is. How much money was spent on that? I mean, we, we can play this money spending game all day, and I think it's going to go in some interesting places and places that some folks don't want to go into, you know, because they want it to be their guy is always okay. Their guys or gals' expenses are fine. The other guys are, oh, my gosh, the taxpayer is abusive. And I look at this, and people are talking about, uh, let me see, Kevin Chimilioski. Chimiliuski, a former deputy chief of staff for Pruitt, uh, said that uh, there was a six hundred hotel six hundred dollar hotel bill she paid personally. Pruitt staff reimbursed her in cash. I Man, I'm looking through all this stuff. I'm like, what are we? Security expenses and travel expenses. And then there was something about a, a lobbyist. Here we go. Pruitt lived for about six months in a Capitol Hill condo owned by a healthcare lobbyist whose husband has lobbied the EPA at below-the-market rate. Okay, I mean, not that below-the-market rate. I look at this stuff, and I'm just telling you, $43,000 EPA spent to purchase and install a soundproof booth in Pruitt's office, violated federal spending according to GAO. Okay, that's not good. Look, he's he's not uh, 12 fountain pens with EPA seal, $1,500. I'm looking through this list. It's not good. I'm, I'm not endorsing this, but I'm saying, all right. Eh. Nothing here that's like Scott Pruitt's the worst man in America. I'm just saying, folks, there's a lot of like, meh. They just went and looked at every government expenditure he had and anything that was a little bit, you know, a little bit lavish or a little self-indulgent, they made a national news story of. Now, I want to get you to the... To the why. By the way, go back and look at how big Michelle Obama's staff was. It was huge. Go back and look at the money spent on on travel for the Obama administration for that White House for vacations. Huge. So there's that. Uh, but, you know, oh, I can't bring that up, right? That's not fair. All right, well, I'm just saying. Why do they hate Pruitt so much? you got to look at the why. And they hate Pruitt because the environment is something that liberals have an almost deranged level of fervor on. 
They are completely I mean, environmental stuff. You you would be. It, it's amazing to see how when it comes to like water usage and and recycling and of course climate change, seemingly normal people completely lose their mind. And Pruitt, and I saw, by the way, uh, Kamala Harris that I tweeted out, you know, oh, now it's all about clean water and clean air. This is the talking point Joe's here, that Pruitt's a lobbyist, he's gross, he's dirty, he's bad. He was actually very focused when he was at the EPA on clean air and clean water. This is just a talking point they use. They were, the problem with Pruitt wasn't that he didn't care about clean air and clear, uh, clear, clean air and clean water. The problem was that he was rolling back some of the Obama EPA mandates that were, effect, uh, that were effectively using the EPA bureaucracy as its own legislature on the environment. That's the problem. The problem is that the Obama EPA came up with these different, uh, these different rules with the force of law that they would never have been able to get through the Congress and that effectively made the states do whatever the heck the federal government said on any environmental-related issue. And Pruitt was getting rid of that. Pruitt's approach to the EPA, folks, you won't hear this from a lot of other places, was, well, what does the law actually say about this? Not, what did the Obama-era appointees in charge of the EPA say about this? EPA's got 15,000 bureaucrats. Who do you think goes to work at the EPA for the most part? A lot of people that really believe in climate change and all this other stuff. You know, Cleaning out your local creek, making the pond by your house uh, actually able to sustain wildlife, that's a good thing, but that's not a sexy thing to liberals. You know what's sexy? Imposing nationwide standards on you know fuel emissions or, or on, on coal, a coal power plant emissions and, and doing it in such a way that you're going to decimate an industry because you think that the planet is going to overheat. You're saving the world, right? That's sexy. That's what they want to do. Uh, regulating carbon dioxide as a pollutant. That was something the Obama administration decided. CO2, you are under the Obama administration's EPA regulations. You, my friend, right now, listening to this show, were a polluter by breathing. It's a true statement. CO2 is a pollutant under the Obama EPA mandates, which means that it could be regulated the same way, you know, like leaking battery acid into a pond can be regulated. I mean, just, you know, nu- nuclear waste seeping into groundwater could be regulated. CO2. Well, gee, I, don't, I wonder if that could be abused in any way. The Clean Power Plan, that was President Obama's main climate regulation. And the 2015 Waters of the United States rule. You know what that did, folks? That made the EPA able to control every creek, pond, or just bit of water with a, quote, significant nexus to a navigable navigable waterway. That rule is what led ranchers and farmers and other people to have the EPA tell them, oh, yeah, no, you can't, you can't drain that, that, you know, uh, that swamp in your backyard. That's a wetland. Or, you know, if you don't listen to the EPA mandate about some pond in your yard, you get a, a $30,000 a day fine. Crazy stuff, crazy stuff, which is just not which is just their interpretation of law. It's not a law passed by Congress. Pruitt was rolling that stuff back. Pruitt was a threat to the radical climate agenda. Now, the good news, I, I, I do bring you some good news here as well. 
This is great. TheHill.com, where I work. Pelosi says Pruitt's successor even more focused on advancing the toxic Trump agenda. Yes. It is so sweet, isn't it? Democrats, you know, they've got restaurants here that are giving out, uh, you know, like half price drinks to celebrate Pruitt's. That's what happens in the swamp here, folks. That's how left wing D.C. is. They're celebrating Pruitt's departure with half price drinks. Uh, But the good news for America is that the guy who is likely to replace, or at least will replace temporarily, is Deputy EPA Administrator Andrew Wheeler, who is, drumroll, a former coal lobbyist who has also fought for a long time to roll back environmental protections governing the fossil fuel industry. So, you know, you see, they do these maximum pressure campaigns. They throw all this stuff at uh, at Republican appointees. They do everything they can to smear them and ruin their lives and, you know, and humiliate them in front of their families. The good news, though, despite all of that, there's more where that came from on our side, too. We got more people that will step into the breach and say, you know what? The Obama-era stuff is not okay. You know what? The uh, way that the EPA was operating on the Obama administration was offsides it was wrong so uh i like this i like this they also refer to uh oh he was he was one time chief of staff wheeler who's going to be running the epa now at least temporarily they should make it permanent love it to jim inhofa who is referred to here as capitol hill's most prominent climate change denier what a talk about a vicious and an idiotic and loaded term a climate change denier Specifically used to liken climate change denial to Holocaust denial. Like, because that's how evil you are. They just skip over Al Gore's really popular movie about how the, you know, the seas are going to rise and all that stuff, whatever, was just complete laughable garbage that has been proven wrong now. Right? They keep, they're, they're wrong over and over, and yet here we sit. We're supposed to listen and believe them, as you can tell. Environmental zealots really, they really get me uh, agitated. That's one way of putting it. Sometimes it'd be fun to use salty language, but not on, not on this broadcast. All right, uh, we got a lot more coming, team. We'll be right back. Your home is your castle, and you want to keep it safe, but you don't want some alarm company that's going to lock you into a long-term contract that you can't get out of. You know, I mean, home security is one of the most complained about industries because of that. I can fix it for you. I can give you a great security system at a great price, that's easy to use and it looks good in your home. Simply Safe Home Security is the answer. Simply Safe got rid of contracts. There are no hidden fees. And this is a company that treats you right. I have a Simply Safe system at home. It couldn't be any easier. And quite honestly, if you're kind of a tech geek like I aspire to be, then you'll see that this system is incredibly user friendly. The interface is great. Download the app. You can use it from wherever you are. Learn more about it at simplysafe.com slash buck. That's simplysafe.com slash buck. Protect your home and family. Simplysafe.com slash buck. According to Alan Dershowitz, um... McCarthyism is creeping across Cape Cod from Sandwich, not to Provincetown. (laughs) 
Poor Medgartown guy. all the way wah, out wah. to Sconset. Alan Dershowitz talking about the vineyard giving him a cold shoulder. He doesn't want to be lectured, people. No, because listen, he, he, he is actually <laughs> he is actually run resistance not only for Republicans abusing power, but also Democrats, as he writes. Yes, um, he's equally a shill and story, a stooge. What smug, petty nastiness. You know, I like the Dersh. And there you had Mika and Joe just, you know, that just felt personal, I'll be honest. There's something, they must, maybe the Dersh doesn't do their show or something. There's something going on there. You know, because the, the, the Dersh, as I affectionately refer to him, he runs around and he's he makes his case. He stands behind it. He's I don't always agree with him, by the way. I've debated him. I debated him on guns at CNN. He got smoked, by the way. Uh, but, you know, on this stuff about civil liberties, on civil liberties, he's consistent. He's good on civil liberties, unlike the ACLU, which has just become a joke. Uh, you know, he's somebody who I think is. Somebody who I think is uh, getting, a, getting a rough time from the left. I'm sure he is now. And I just love that, the, that Mika and Joe are making fun of how, you know, he goes to the vineyard. Please, I can tell you stories, all right? Mika and Joe living the high life. Trust me. Uh, and I, I just there's just such a snide nastiness among these left-wing media people now, too. By the way, Joe, I think, does Joe still think he's a Republican? The Republican Party left me. I'm the real Republican, right? The whole thing. Oh, gosh. His hair is okay. I'll give him... He's got, he's got pretty good hair. But oh, everything else is, you know, annoys me. But the swoop is not not bad. I mean, not as good as mine, but it's not bad. Uh, we got a big story to tell you about here in, in just a few moments, by the way. it's uh, You're not going to hear about it anywhere else, so you got to stay with me. For decades, credit cards have been telling us, buy it now and pay for it later. With interest, despite your best intentions, that interest can get out of control fast. With Lending Club, you can consolidate your debt or pay off credit cards with one fixed monthly payment. Since 2007, Lending Club has helped millions of people regain control of their finances with affordable fixed-rate personal loans. No trips to a bank, no high-interest credit cards. Just go to LendingClub.com, tell them about yourself and how much you want to borrow. Pick the terms that are right for you. And if you're approved, your loan is automatically deposited into your bank account in as little as a few days. Lending Club is the number one peer-to-peer lending platform with over $35 billion in loans issued. Go to LendingClub.com slash buck. Check your rate in minutes and borrow up to $40,000. That's LendingClub.com slash buck. LendingClub.com slash buck. All loans made by WebBank. Member FDIC. Equal housing lender. He's back with you now, because when it comes to the fight for truth, the buck never stops. But I don't believe Donald Trump is a racist. But why not? I, I just, but I, just I, don't, I don't know the details of these cases. I, thus I, the complicity, I really don't. The I'm silence, not going to sit here and go through the guy's resume the from three years ago. Hold on, Michael. Hold on, Michael. Let me hear you. You're giving him all the time. I mean, you're giving, you're giving airspace to a guy and oxygen to a guy who is trying to legitimate and validate no, racism. He is far worse than even what the president is doing. Hold on, Michael. You'll get your turn. Sure. So you overlook his words. Is that not his words? 
No, I don't overlook his words. I've been on with you personally <laughs> saying that I disagree with the Understood, words the president but you has don't chosen them in many cases. No, I do not believe the president is a racist. Okay. I do not believe that. Okay. Oh, boy. They're back to this, folks. They're back to this. Look, I've, I have known, not very well, but I have known Trump and his family for, I, you know, 20 years now. I've known of them as somebody who grew up in New York City and just tremendous familiarity with them and familiarity with them in the press and everything else. But I've also known them personally. I knew Donald Trump. I knew Ivana Trump, his first wife. I knew Ivanka, uh, Eric. When we were kids, we lost touch a bit when we got older. But they're not racists. And, and, and I really, I just sit here and it's so frustrating because nobody who actually knows Donald Trump as a human being or his family or those around him could think for a minute this guy is a racist. He is not a racist. He's actually somebody that at his core, in his heart, really does identify with just everyday folks. And I know he's a billionaire and he's a celebrity, uh, you know, media mogul and all this stuff. But some people just have the have the common touch. I don't know what else to say. Some people understand what it's, you know, what they, they can. You know what's you know what the real test is when Donald Trump sits down and speaks to a construction worker, the construction worker is like, yeah, this guy gets me. He understands. And we and we actually see a lot of th- things the same way. The same way, and, and, and I, I feel some uh, you know, connection to this because the same way that when I sit down, and this, by the way, this was true when I was the CIA where I came into contact with a lot of, not just came into contact with, I worked alongside and was in the so-called trenches with overseas, you know, elite members of the United States military, many of whom, unsurprising to many of you listening to this, come from more rural red area, red state areas of the country. And we got along famously. And I and even though I'm some city kid who went to, you know, prep school and scholarship school in New York and everything else, I got those, you know, I got those guys and they got me. I got along famously with our door kickers from the spec ops community because we kind of just get each other on the important stuff. You know, I don't think I'm some big deal. I actually think they're awesome. And I had a lot to learn from them and was always just talking about issues in the way that they talk. We just, we just connect. I don't know what else to say. We just do. Right. And, and we don't, we don't share a similar background, but we share a similar sensibility, similar beliefs about the world, about honor and decency and integrity and patriotism and justice. And, and, you know, Trump sees the world the way a lot of average folks do. And that's irrespective of their race or their creed or anything else. He's like, yeah, he gets it. He gets it. Now, that doesn't mean that you know Trump lives his life in humble fashion, right? He's not what his people's like, oh, I've been driving. the. I'm a billionaire, but I've been driving the same car. I think uh, Berkshire Hathaway CEO um, Buffett. Yeah, I think I think he's like his big thing is he's been driving the same you know, Honda or whatever. For That's not a Honda. It's probably a Toyota for the last 20 years or something. Buffett likes to kind of play a character people i'm just putting that out he likes to be america's lovable grandpa with billions of dollars but trump is he's just not a racist and his connection to everyday people is not some it's not some big fraud and i think that one thing the media doesn't understand is that they keep trying to convince people that, that the elite media of cnn 
who do sneer at everyday people, right? The Anderson Coopers, the Jake Tappers, they pretend to give a crap about the masses. They don't. They flatly do not. They don't deal with them. They don't live with them. They do kind of drive-by media coverage of, oh, yeah, look at this sad thing here. Now I'm going back to the, to the yacht. You know, now I'm going back to my mansion, literally, in the case of those guys. Okay, they just don't care. Now, you say, Buck, Trump lives in mansions, too. Yeah, but the people that he's talking to know the difference between somebody who actually understands how they feel and somebody who doesn't. It's not about the big house. It's about the actual connection to people. Do you believe? Do they believe? And and I and I sit here and, and everyone I've talked to in my circles in New York too, many of whom have known. I mean, I I know some people that are, I mean, they're very good friends of mine who are truly very close to the Trump family, and they're and they're not even political. They're just like this is such, it's just such a slander. Trump is not a racist, but the media just hammers and hammers on this. They won't stop. Drives me nuts. And then they see we, we see this uh, this poll uh, where I think it's a it's a what a Quinnipiac poll. And of course, CNN's running around with this one saying half the country thinks Donald Trump is racist. The 49 percent technically say they think Donald Trump is racist. And they they try to provide this as evidence of, oh, he must be a racist. And I respond to this with. No, this is a this is a Democrat talking point. And this has been a primary message of the media, the same way that, you know, seeing the same soda on TV. Look at that soda. Look at that soda. Look at that soda. Over time, you go into the store. Right. This is what a billions, countless billions of dollars of advertising based on this. Look at that soda. Look at that soda. You're like, I don't care about that soda. Look at that soda. Oh, you go in. All of a sudden you think Mountain Dew actually tastes good, but it doesn't. That's the power of repetition and of imagery and of propaganda. And people keep saying Trump is a racist, Trump is a racist, Trump is a racist. Over time, people go, well, I guess Trump must be racist. And you know who's leading the charge on that? CNN. No surprise. And they give platforms to people like Michael Eric Dyson, who I have heard, I don't know him, never interacted with him. I've heard he's a terribly nasty guy. I don't know if that's true. Just not a nice person, but that's what I've been told, you know? I can tell you, I don't like what Mark Lamont Hill, for example, says when he calls the, the president a racist, but I have met Mark, and Mark's actually a nice guy. I have enjoyed talking to him. Um, trying to think who else is out there calling Trump a racist all the time. A lot of people running around calling Trump a racist. A lot of them. All over the place. And, you know, I, oh, I mean, you know, Anna Navarro. She'll call Trump a racist all the time. Uh, not a nice person. <laughs> you know, you go down, I'm trying to think of the CNN pundits that go on TV and, and are saying this stuff. It's very, very frustrating. Name somebody from the uh, New York Times editorial board. They go on TV, say Trump is... Although I don't really know that. Although, uh, yes, uh, uh, Nicholas Kristof, who sort of goes on TV and talks like this all the time. And they just, oh, Nicholas Kristof, enlighten us. Ugh, that guy. Not a fan of Nicholas Kristof. Uh, where was I? Oh, yeah, they're saying he's a racist all the time. And then it, it continues on. <laughs> this is, yeah, Trump is a racist part two. Uh, play 12. We have a clear-cut example of racial animus, at the very least, racially disparaging comments, uh, r- racial uh, inclinations here that are outside not only the norm of what we accept as humane, but he has emboldened white supremacists to come forward. The resurgent bigotry of America has been catalyzed by this president who stands in his bully pulpit to bully people who don't agree with him. 
and, and I think it is ridiculous here for Brother Scott to come on this, these airwaves and not acknowledge what is clear and plain before us, that a man making inflammatory remarks is not something just to be disagreed with. You should find them abhorrent. You should find them, uh, you should repudiate them and find them a cause for you to distance yourself from a man who could call Mexicans rapists, all Mexicans rapists, Muslims who should be banned, black people who should be discriminated against, women who should be treated in a sexually predatory manner. The point is that here is a president who has said things quite clearly, and you as a figure can't even say yes. Try to say, I disagree with you in the past. That's part of the problem we're confronting here in America. And until white folk like you can stand up and find your spine, you I, can't, I can't take it. I can't take it. I know. Tell me, I don't want you guys. I can't take it anymore. I can't take it. <laughs> I don't want I don't want people to be like, fuck, I'm out. I'm out. I tap out. I can't hear this this blather anymore. This complete smear. But I need to expose you to some of it, right? So you need to be aware of what's out there. Because then they'll throw this Quinnipiac poll in your face, and then they'll be like, oh, people say they're racist. Yeah, it's because every Democrat's been told Trump's a racist. Don't worry. The, the country's doing great, and Trump has exceeded the wildest expectations of what most folks had for what would be possible in his first 18 months, and conservatives are coming around more and more to the benefits of the Trump presidency and the remarkable feat of defeating the Hillary machine. What happened? And, but they're all just being told, oh, but he's racist. Don't worry. You're, you're right to hate Trump because he's racist. That's the refrain. That's what they keep hitting on time and time again. Um, but you notice that, that uh, this Mr. Dyson, when he's rattling off these things, Trump didn't say that all Mexicans are rapists. That's just not true. He just didn't say that. So we can say, he, he can say that some of the people crossing the border are rapists, and that is a fact. There are some. There are some murders. There are some rapists who cross the border. This is just a fact. Now, he didn't get into specifics about percentages or anything else, but he didn't say all Mexicans are rapists. Clearly, that would be a terrible, stupid and unfair thing to say. But he didn't say that. Dyson also says uh, to ban Muslims. Well, Supreme Court just saw it the way that Trump sees it. So I, I need someone to explain to me. So, so is the Supreme Court racist now, too? OK. And the other one, and this is the one that I find the most the most kind of where's the evidence for this? Is he says discriminate against black people. That was Dyson, said that Trump wants to discriminate against black people. Based on what? I remember during the campaign, Trump speaking about how he really wants to help the black community and how important the black community is to this country and how you know essential it is that the black community receives all the, the, you know, the opportunity that they deserve as, as, as equal and valued citizens in this country. I mean, I, I remember that. I remember that sentiment. I remember those words, although I'm maybe a little bit more eloquent in how I say it than Trump was at the time. But then again, you know, eloquence didn't matter when it came to Trump defeating the biggest media machine on the planet. Anyway, I also remember when Trump went on stage and I believe held up a gay pride flag. Donald Trump is the first president in U.S. history to enter office being in favor of same-sex marriage. The first. How often do you hear that? Barack Obama was not. Barack Obama was too much of a political coward despite being a far leftist, to be in favor of traditional marriage when he went into office, I mean, uh, to be in favor of same-sex marriage when he went into office, didn't have the courage of his convictions. So if we're really going to be keeping score here, why don't you ever hear that? Trump, the, quote, bigot. Trump, the, quote, racist. First president in history to enter office saying, yeah, gay marriage. I'm good with it. Congrats. Right. Has no problem. You know, the first one to be in favor of it. You never hear that. And on the issue of him being a racist and being against black people, I just sit here and say to myself, where can someone just give me the evidence for it? Other than the media keeps saying it, keeps saying it, keeps saying it. I, I can't blame some 
of the black Americans I've spoken to who say, oh, no, I think Donald Trump's a racist. I've asked them. This is just in personal conversation. Why? And they kind of, well, just because he, they, they, they're certain he is. They know he is. But when I ask why, they don't have any specifics to point to, any, any no, nothing. Well, is it because he's a racist or is it because the media tells us all every day over and over again that Trump is a racist? I don't blame people for that seeping in after a while because, you know, if you trust the media, you think they're not a bunch of liars, right? So I just need to know, what are they basing this on? And the answer is they just hate Trump and and it's it's just character assassination. That's all they're doing. They're just destroying this man's reputation because they can't beat him politically. Uh, Speaking about... uh, Racism. We got an incident, folks, uh, that's gone nationwide. A lot of attention for it. A Trump supporter had a drink thrown in his face. Nasty stuff said to him. And now there's a dispute over what really happened, what was said. We will break this down for you in detail in the third hour, which is coming up here in just a moment. Stay with me, team. This is, I think, posturing about taking the Fifth Amendment. What I think is going on is probably the decision has been made, uh, and I'm sure the FBI is supportive of this, because um, if if he were to testify, they would ask him about a number of things that he would not want to answer. He'll say for investigative reasons or intelligence reasons, which will cause a lot of controversy for the FBI because they'll be in the position of, being seen as impeding his testimony. So they're trying to lay the groundwork for who to blame uh, when he takes the fifth. Some will, you know, his detractors will say it's because he's worried about criminal liability. So he wants to be able to say the, the hearing's just a bunch of political theater. So you're familiar with uh, Peter Strzok, the FBI agent who has had all those text messages clearly showing animus against Trump. If there is a poster child for the deep state right now, it is it is Agent Struck of the FBI. And now he's going to be testifying, according to the House, he's being uh, being asked to testify in front of an open open hearing. This is a subpoena for 10 a.m. on July 10th from the Judiciary Committee and Oversight and Government Reform Committee. Uh, so he has been. Uh, yeah, he's been subpoenaed testify and now people are saying he may plead the fifth and that's gonna that was andy mccarthy of course i figure you know andy's name and uh and well know his voice and and here's what i'm gonna tell you something and i can't i know some stuff i can't get into the details right off the bat but i think things are about to get a lot worse for fbi agents struck i have sources i have been told that there is more information out there or more information that will soon be out there that will show not just even greater animus from Agent Strzok against Trump, but that will show beyond reasonable doubt and with documentation This is what I'm being told by sources. It has not been published yet. I cannot cite it yet, and I cannot get ahead of the story. But I'm being told by people who would know that 
struck, they can prove that struck was taking official action against Trump. This is what my sources are saying. I and folks, that if if my people are right, and if this comes out, and I think, and by the way, I'm not telling you it's going to come out in six months. I'm talking days. I'm talking days, max, before this story hits. If we have this, and if we can show that there was, in fact, official action, and somehow this was either missed or overlooked by the inspector general. Um, but no, this is this is about Trump and Russia specifically. This is not about Hillary's email, so it's different. Uh, but just imagine, imagine the outcry. This is going to get wild. Information is power in the global marketplace, my friends. And if you want the best when it comes to background investigations and vetting, you need Global Verification Network. Global Verification is the only dual certified and veteran owned background investigation and vetting company. They are very much into being on each case. They're working with you on an individual basis. When you call them, they pick up the phone. When you need them, they are there. They answer any questions you have, and they don't outsource your stuff. This isn't some company that sends the work to be done overseas and then pretends that they did all the hard stuff here. It's all U.S.-based, and it's a veteran-owned and operated company. Check it out for yourself. Call 877-695-1179, 877-695-1179, or visit Global Verification Network at mygvn.com. Again, mygvn.com. Buck Sexton. Permission. Decoding the news and disseminating information with actionable intelligence. One small Make, Make no mistake. America. Ready. Great. You're a great American. Again. This is the Buck Sexton Show. Activate. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. Buck Sexton. It is Buck Sexton. Now. Welcome back to the Buck Sexton Show, everybody. Another ugly incident with the political undertones. A lot of uh, national-level attention to this, and I I think we're going to see a lot more attention to it based on this update of the story. Let me first just tell you what happened from what what we know happened here. Uh, We have a... And there's video of it. A guy in... uh, Dallas, or sorry, pardon me, Dallas, pardon me, San Antonio at a Whataburger, which I will say is among the least tasty of burger places. Just as an aside, I'm sorry. It tastes like cafeteria food. You can yell at me, but I speak the truth. But I digress. A guy was at a San Antonio Whataburger, and uh, all we know is that there were some teens together, and someone... uh, threw a drink in this 16-year-old's face, and the initial story uh, was that the Texas teen said he had a drink thrown at him because he was wearing a pro-Trump hat. And the guy, in very menacing fashion, comes over, uh, uh, takes the hat off him, throws a drink in his face. This is assault as well as theft. And, uh, you know, this has gone completely viral, and he says some very... We've we've bleeped out the stuff, right, guys? Because he says some very, very... Nasty stuff to the teens. Just want to make sure before we go live with it, you know, because it's that's too late. We put it out there and then and then producer John has a heart attack. And then so do I at the same time. 
Uh, and then producer Mike is just like, hey, you know, life's tough. Uh, but anyway, so we, we bleeped it out. But so this is the, this is the incident. They're sitting at a Whataburger, a couple of teenagers, one of them 16, a guy who looks quite a bit older than 16. I think he also, Mike, did he get fired from his job as a result of this? I think I saw that earlier, too. Oh, yeah, they, I, I did not hear that. But, uh, um, I think oh. that they found the guy who was the assaulter, and and I think he might have gotten fired, but I, we need to check on that. So don't don't take that one to the bank. But this uh, Texas teen had the drink thrown in his face. Here is the video, the audio of it at least. Play it. Supporting the president. You ain't supporting Okay. This is going to go great in my fire, please. All right, have fun with it. Now, that was, so the initial story, just to be clear, is Guy sees kid in MAGA, you know, 16-year-old in MAGA hat, MAGA hat, and throws drink in his face, and is really nasty, assaults him, the whole thing, and everyone's like, see, this is all the political incivility that's out there. And by the way, I, I find all of that completely believable. Would not surprise me at all that somebody would assault somebody else these days because of what the media is saying. Look, they're calling Trump a Nazi, and they're saying he's fascist, he's racist, all this crazy stuff you hear. So it's right. None of us surprised. I would also note, though, and and this has been pointed out by others. Just imagine for a moment that this was a an Obama supporter in, let's say, 2009 or 2010 wearing a hope and change. You know, remember that Obama hope and change uh, logo T-shirt that was all over the place wearing that. And someone came up to an Obama supporter and threw a drink in his face because he was wearing an Obama T-shirt and said terrible things to him, including, I mean, throw it around. That guy threw around racial slurs, which I believe the kid assaulted was a teenager, but just to give you a sense of the, the a white teenager, but just to give you a sense of the language being used. He was fired, uh, just say it, by the way. And I w- I'm right. The guy yeah. was salted him. Thank you. 30, 30 years old he was, uh, Kino Jimenez. Wow, I got to tell you something. You know, for a 30-year-old, that's like me basically going up to a 16-year-old kid and assaulting him. That's like me picking a fight with a high school kid. I just want to put this in real perspective, folks. Um, that's that's really bad, right? I mean, this is this guy. He, yeah, he looked like he was you know close to my age. This guy's in his 30s, and he's throwing a drink in a high school kid's face. But now, courtesy of the Dallas Morning News, you have this update. Now, this is going to get true. This is now a he said, he said thing, or he said, he said, he said. Quote, man who hurled soda took teen's MAGA hat might have heard hanging blacks remarks, witness says. This is what the story, this is the story they're running with the Dallas Morning News now. Remember, this this has gone totally viral today. All kinds of attention on this because, you know, the video and the, the audio, everyone's been hearing and seeing this. Here's what the story says. Quote, a man who tossed a drink at a teen wearing a Make America Great Again hat at a San Antonio Whataburger may have been responding to racist remarks, according to a man who was at the restaurant with his family. The witness told KENS-TV in San Antonio that he and his family saw the three teens in the video joke about, quote, hanging blacks and killing off minorities, but the family left before the incident concerned. 
The witness said, quote, they said they wanted it to be legal for white people to kill any other race for the 4th of July. The television station could not independently verify the man's characterization of the teen's remarks. Now, folks, we see what, what this does is now it makes it that, oh, okay, so were they being racist? So basically, did they deserve it? Well, we don't, you know, I, you want to go on this guy, this, this third party's word who left before the incident happened? By the way, he's there with his family. Were these kids, these teenagers, were they really being that dumb and that racist so that another another group of people could hear them? I'm just going to put this out there. They were really saying that kind of stuff. I'm just trying to break this down. I wasn't there. I don't know. But I do know that when I was in high school, a friend of mine got into an altercation with a minority, and I saw the entire thing. And afterwards, the minority claimed that a racial slur was used in order to basically make it like a, you know, a draw situation. Like, oh, well, you know, yeah, I punched him in the face, but it was his fault because and, you know, then it's, well, did you say it? No, I didn't. Yes, I did. And it it just made everything a little murkier. Right. I saw I so I saw that happen with my own eyes when I was in high school. I remember that. Uh, I remember that. And it and I was there and it did not happen. It did not happen. Um, and, I, you know, that's not something I'd ever want to have to get involved in again. But the uh, this story, I, you know, I just don't know. I'm trying to break it down and analyze it. National level news story. Now, people look at this are saying, see, this is now it's open season on Trump supporters, open season on anybody who wears a MAGA hat. But now we're told, oh, maybe these teenagers we're saying, look, if they said that stuff, it's horrifically racist and stupid. They should be condemned for it. And, uh, you know, you're not allowed to attack people because they say racist things, but you are allowed to think people say racist things are, are super gross. I mean, this guy having words with them, that's, and you know, I, I couldn't blame him. But but then I got to think, but by the way, you know, with liberals, I think it's interesting. I, I think that they believe that if somebody says something now that they deem racist, how racist is a whole other topic of conversation or a whole other part of this conversation. But if they deem something right, are, are you allowed to be violent in response to that? If you overhear someone say something racist, is that then legally it's not the case that you could go over and, and, and assault them? Could you punch them? Would liberals think it's okay if somebody pulled out a knife and stabbed somebody because they heard somebody uh, in, a, in a separate conversation say something racist? You know, you really need to push them on this issue, right? Is violence an acceptable response? Because this guy was violent. You can't take something and throw something in someone's face. That's assault. That's actually against the law. Would that be a... Okay, so just just trying to work through this issue. But now I'd ask you this as well. These 16-year-olds, from what I've seen, were, you know, pretty skinny teenagers. You know, not, not exactly imposing guys. The guy who threw the drink in the face was imposing and was basically my age. And I am six feet tall and way over... Over 200 pounds, but I'm working on that. Um, so what exactly is is their thinking that they're going to be so loud and so racist that they're going to antagonize this guy? Um, I'm not saying they couldn't have done it, but do we really think that that's it, it, does that does that seem likely to you? Because now we're left with what well, we got to we got to parse the facts here. Right. We got to work with what we know. One party saying they were assaulted for wearing a Trump hat. And now there's this third party saying, oh, no, the person who did the assault, who was fired from his job for it. I would also note, OK, 
So we're going to assume the kid said that even though it's such a dumb thing. By the way, also, I, you know, I've heard people, I've heard teenagers that have said things that are kind of racist and said things that, or said things that are honestly are racist. Uh, you know, I, I've overheard things in my life too. They, uh, what, what they're claiming was being said here, I've never heard anything like that in my life in a public place. I'm not saying it couldn't happen. I'm just saying unlikely. I want to go out and kill a bunch of people. That, that's what they're saying was said. That strikes me as unlikely. That it would be said within obvious earshot of somebody who is much more physically imposing than any of these kids, obviously, right, from the video, seems to me also to make it, I'm not saying impossible, just less likely. And then add this one other bit into it. Is it, does it strike you as strange that this individual who was uh, fired from his job, who is Hispanic, I, be- I believe, based on his last name and you know, you see the guy in the video. I mean, I'm not I'm not trying to jump to any conclusions here, but he, he's clearly a minority based on what you see in the video. Uh, and a pretty big guy. Do you think that if, if he went back to his employer and said these kids were saying they wanted to hunt and murder minorities, that wouldn't have weighed in his favor? I would also want to know why did a third party have to come out with this story? Why didn't the individual right away come out and say this? Uh, you know, why have we not heard from Mike? What's his name? The uh, last name of the guy who's the assaulter again? I'm forgetting his name. Uh, Jimenez or Jimenez. I'm not sure. G- yeah, Jimenez. Why didn't we hear from uh, Jimenez right away? Why was the story out there for hours and hours and uh, nothing, you know, n- nothing from from him about how this was racist? I'm sorry, that doesn't add up to me. You know, if if this happened, if this guy overheard horrifically racist speech and just was reacting to it, I would think that for his own defense and mitigation of the blowback against him after this, right away we'd hear that story. I haven't heard him, by the way, I haven't seen anywhere that he claims the guy who did the assault is not saying anything about racist remarks, from what I understand. He just saw a guy with a, with a MAGA hat on. Uh they got this third. Then you say, well, Buck, why would some third party individual involve himself in this? Uh, you know, people, some people make stuff up. Maybe maybe is a you know, I'd be very curious to know is a third party individual with his family who's talking to this uh, to this station. By the way, as he been, I don't believe he has been. Yeah, not identified, not identified. So an anonymous, basically an anonymous commenter who claims to be at the restaurant, has now added this whole level of, oh, no, these kids are being racist, which, by the way, also does tremendous reputational damage to them. I can't tell you that we have an answer here, folks. Oh, well, we do know someone assaulted somebody, which is illegal. And we do know the political climate right now is such that it wouldn't surprise me at all that someone was assaulted for wearing a Make America Great Again hat. As, as far as the rest of this goes, we'll have to see what else comes up. It strikes me as, as possible but improbable that this new layer to the story of, oh, these kids were saying horrifically racist stuff is accurate. I didn't say can't be, just said improbable, less than 50-50. We will continue to look at this, though, and if I have more, we will we will check it out. Um, but kind of a deep dive on a drink-throwing incident. That's what we just did. Uh, team, we have much more coming your way, including what qualifies as hate speech these days. Oh, Apparently the Declaration of Independence. Stay with me.
You might have a really nice picket fence or some other kind of fence that keeps your yard secure, right? Guess what? The fence doesn't go far enough underground to stop your dog or predators from getting under it. That's where Dig Defense comes in. Dig Defense extends the protection of your fence underground. You install at the base of any fence, and it protects your pet and your property. It's so easy to install. All you need is a hammer and gloves. No more chasing around after Fido or Rex or Maximilian or whatever you call them. Now you know that your pup will be safe in the yard and no predators will get into the yard. Go check it out now. It's available online at Lowe's, Tractor Supply, Menards, Wayfair, and StopTheDig.com. Again, StopTheDig.com. Now for the month of July, use the promo code BUCK for 10% off. That's StopTheDig.com, and please use promo code B-U-C-K for 10% off your entire order. Alexandria's victory was a, a, a just a remarkable reminder of the depth that we have in the Democratic Party. She represents the future of our party. DNC chairman, uh, DNC chairman there uh, saying, Tom Perez saying that Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is the future of the Democratic Party. Isn't that astonishing, folks? I mean, so remember, this is not some random Internet commentator. This is not just a guy with an opinion. This is somebody who represents at some level. The Democrat establishment. By the way, Ocasio-Cortez has been on Meet the Press and all, you know, all the big shows now celebrated. Hasn't even actually become a member of Congress yet. We <laughs> just like, she, yes, I know she will be. She's going to win the seat. But they're not, even, they're not even waiting for her to, to technically win the election. And she's already the future of the party. I, I do think it's, it's kind of funny. Uh, but, you know, all you have to do, you, you can go and start to look. I, I love to do this. You know, I keep an entire separate Internet browser. You know, or rather, one of my internet browsers, the tabs on it is left wing stuff, which I find so it's almost like a portal into the left wing mind, and uh, you know, that's a way that I understand what the other side thinks, and I read their stuff. Right, I go on the Nation, I go on HuffPost, I go on uh, Slate, and all these different places, uh, Talking Points, and Daily Coast, and all of those. I'll actually spend time. It's like peeking behind enemy lines, like see what the other side thinks, see who the actually talented uh, polemicists are versus just the pure spiteful hacks. Here's something to keep in mind. It's mostly just the pure spiteful hacks, but there are some people who are good writers, certainly on the left. Um, But when you look into, for example, Jacobin Mag, you want to talk about some radical stuff here. uh, They say that. She has a transformational vision. Ah, yes, there's that term again, transformational. And when you start to look at what she's really pushing for, it's class warfare, folks. It is turning It is turning the classes against each other. It is very Marxist in its vision. And, you know, this is, this is the kind of stuff that people on the left really think. This is what they get excited about. Quote, here's from this Jackman piece. The Democratic Party, based as it is in the interests of capital and capitalism, will not be transformed into an independent workers' party, let alone a vehicle of working-class revolution. Um, And then it goes on. 
the deep desire for an alternative to the meek and compromised Democratic Party leadership, uh, and then the significant lesson from Ocasio-Cortez's victory and the ensuing surge of interest in socialism is that it reveals the deep desire among millions for an alternative to corporate control of our society, an alternative to capitalism. This interest in building an alternative politics will, in many cases, emerge within the confines of the Democratic Party, as it has with Ocasio-Cortez. Properly aligned, these movements can and will change the two-party corporate stranglehold on U.S. electoral politics. Folks, they really believe that we are trending towards socialism. And understand this, those who write about transforming America into a socialist country are not reviled, they're not mocked, they're not pushed out of the Democratic Party. They are, in many cases, considered the intellectual vanguard of the Democratic Party. And what I would remind you of is that the communists in the Soviet Union were never a majority and they were never popular. But they were considered an intellectual vanguard of sorts. And when you couple that with some lucky timing and some ruthlessness on their part, you had hundreds of millions of people condemned to decades of slavery and misery. Thanks, socialism. We don't even have to just look at Venezuela today. We can look at the history of the 20th century. Do not underestimate these radicals, my friends. We'll continue to cover it here on the show, but do not think that Ocasio-Cortez and her ilk are some kind of fad or joke. They are serious, and we must confront their ideas seriously. He's holding the line for America. Buck Sexton is back. I hope you all had a fantastic Independence Day celebration, my friends. Uh, I hung out with some friends here in the swamp. It was very swampy. It was very warm outside, very humid. Uh, and, and I did not go to the fireworks display. I did not even make my way up to the roof so that I could view the fireworks from afar because, as I've told you, I'm just not a fireworks guy. I know people get excited. It's okay. I'm not, I'm not saying you can't do it. I'm just saying I don't want to do it. Not enough fireworks. You know, I, I get it. Ooh, ah, you know, I know I'm the worst. I also hate parades, folks. So there's a lot about me. <laughs> there's a lot about me that, you know, you just got to take with a grain of salt. I don't know what to tell you. Parades. Is it over yet? Oh, no. I see. I see another group of people walking. They're about a quarter of a mile away. They'll be here in about 20 minutes, though. I think I hear them playing some music, but we're not sure yet. Let's just wait. Let's just wait for that part of the parade to come this way it's been amazing only been here for four hours seen a couple floats yeah i love the parade man this parade's awesome i'm sorry folks you're just not going to sell me on on how great parades are and i know and and fireworks too i also would tell you that from my time with and maybe this is telling you even more than than i intend to from my time with uh with firearms and explosives uh, firearms just there's something you know, you're always in, if you know what you're doing and you're trained, you're always in control with a firearm. Explosives, it's a crazy world. Things happen. Explosives kind of freak me out. So, just wanted to. Uh, I mean, I've been around. I've been around C4. I've been around lar- large things that have gone boom, and uh, it's a whole other thing. So, you know, I'm not somebody who's like, yeah, like I just want to take like ten in- ten M80s, man, and like just like. 
I want to put him in like a mailbox. And he's like, boom, blow up the mailbox. I'm like, no, I don't, I don't like that. I remember I was at a camp a very long time ago, and they, we decided to have a bonfire. And a bunch of kids uh, thought it would be a good idea. We had to call the bonfire off because it was a huge stack of wooden logs and everything. And uh, we had to call it off because they thought it was a smart idea to put some propane tanks in there. Uh, so they would go boom. Not understanding, because they were like young teenagers, the uh, shrapnel from those propane tanks uh, could have probably blinded and or killed people. So, yeah. Things that go boom or not. I know fire. I'm like fireworks displays are safe. I'm just saying I don't like things that go boom. Uh, anyway, and I'm not somebody who would like to personally handle lots of, of fireworks. All right, I'll stop. I'll stop. I know. I'm in. It's a little get off my lawn right now. I need to stop. But I, I got a story for you, though. One that you should be aware of here. This courtesy of the Washington Times. Facebook flagged the Declaration of Independence as hate speech. How is this possible, you say? How is our founding, well, yeah, our founding document, kind of. I know it's the Constitution, but all right, I'm, in a, I'm on a roll here, you know. Declaration of Independence was like, got it all started, and the Constitution solidified it. Uh, so, but how does one of our founding documents manage to offend people? Well, Facebook has all these algorithms now that look at things. Facebook has these different, uh, you know, these different people as well as programs that try to sift through and figure out, you know, what's acceptable and what's not. And the Liberty County Vindicator had been putting small pieces on its Facebook page in the run-up to July 4th of the Declaration of Independence. But it couldn't post one excerpt because Facebook noted that it was, or stated that it was hate speech. The offending passage, it was from the document of the Bill of Particulars against Britain's King George III. Quote, he has excited domestic insurrections amongst us and has endeavored to bring on the inhabitants of our frontiers, the merciless Indian savages, whose known rule of warfare is an undistinguished destruction of all ages, sexes, and conditions, end quote. So, uh, yeah, yeah, they decided that they wanted to, they pulled that. Now, Facebook did allow them to uh, post it and post an apology, but don't think that this is the last time you're going to see some of this, folks. It's not just mascots that are going to come under the, the uh, sway of the politically correct police. Uh, our, our founding documents, our founding itself is going to be under continual assault. So remember that. This Independence Day week, such as it is. Uh, we're going to come back in just a moment here to roll call. Stay with me for it. Team Buck, it's time for roll call. I like that roll call intro, too. Please do check out the Freedom Hut podcast, folks. If you're a podcast listener, it will appear in the Buck Sexton Show feed tomorrow. So give it a listen. I've got some fun ideas as to what we're going to do. It's going to be a little different. It'll be a quick hangout. It'll be a little extra content for you to listen to maybe this weekend, you know, checking checking things out at the store or hanging out by the pool, barbecuing, or just, you know, in the yard, whatever you got going on. The Freedom of Hunt with Buck Sexton is the podcast. Comrade Commie Bear will be making an appearance. All you have to do is go to the Buck Sexton Show on iTunes, and it will be there. So subscribe to the Buck Sexton Show. That's That's one. And then you'll also see it. So... There you have it. Um, now, 
let's get into our roll call, shall we? Facebook.com slash Buck Sexton if you want to be a part of this fun. Sue, first up here, she writes, Buck, I am enjoying your new show, Rising, and really get the concept of promoting cordial discussion of controversial topics. But I am increasingly perplexed as to why Crystal repeatedly gets to interview progressive guests without you or anyone else there to provide a counterpoint. Doesn't seem to happen the other way around. I'm trying to give the show the benefit of the doubt, but isn't there something you can do to even out the coverage? Today's example, Crystal interviews a pro-abortion guest while you get a nice but uncontroversial piece on helping ex-convicts keep fighting the good fight and get some rest. Hopefully you can do both, Sue. Sue, you know, it's a very good uh, very good point and something we're trying to address. Uh, I will have you know that with uh, in some ways it's just a function of schedule. So occasionally we'll have to do a guest in the, you know, we'll tape a guest the night before the show in the morning or something like that. And so there's a, a change that, you know, we can't both be there sometimes for that. Uh, but it, it's also, I'll be quite honest with you, a function of sometimes guests won't join if I'm going to be a part of the discussion. And when you're an early stage show, it's just something you have to deal with where they'll say, well, I'll do the interview one on one, but I'm not going to do a panel interview. And what they mean by that is, you know, they don't necessarily want a conservative who's going to be the uh, the the rain on their parade, so to speak. Uh, but we will try to even that out even more. We're working on it. And, you know, I think the show is getting into a stronger rhythm with each passing day, but it's definitely a work in progress, and I appreciate you giving it a shot. You know, remember, Free- Freedom Hut, this is, this, is, this is tier one, and so all of you need to be listening to this show every day, the Buck Sexton Show. Freedom Hut's the podcast. Uh, but if you can, check out Rising 2. It's, it's really easy to watch, by the way. Hill.tv slash Rising. Um, okay. Dawn writes, just listen to episode two of the Freedom Hut. For the average Spanish person, the Inquisition may not have been that bad, but for the Jewish people, it was a very big deal. We are still dealing with the effects today. Yeah, yeah, Dawn, I, I, I understand. Look, my point was not that the Inquisition was in any way okay. Clearly not. Uh, but just that the, that the Inquisition is thought of as the ultimate, um, the, you know, the ultimate, series of trials, interrogations, and executions from our history or something is just, it's just not supported by the facts. It was actually a very, in terms of people tortured and executed, the numbers were quite small, given that it lasted for hundreds of years, technically. Um, but, you know, there was, there was clearly uh, discrimination and bigotry and abuse and all kinds of bad things happening with it. Uh, but if you were to compare, say, just the numbers of the Soviet liquidation and and the great terror is written by uh, Robert Conquest. If you want a book, if you want to read a really good book on it, on it, uh, the Soviets in a period of a decade killed many orders of magnitude more people than were killed in the Inquisition, and it was for political political reasons. Um, but so there there you have it. But you know, I like to writing history is something that I uh, I will return to, and we'll see if we can get into a bit of that. Uh, so, yeah, and that also means the Freedom Hub podcast will be out tomorrow. Uh, so it'll be good listening for your weekend. Daniel writes, Shields High Buck, fantastic show, and I love the new Freedom Hub with Buck Sexton. Haven't heard anyone give an awesome movie quote in a while, so here goes. This one is from one of my favorite Westerns. The protagonist is being asked about what code he lives by. He says, I won't be wronged, I won't be insulted, and I won't be laid a hand upon. I don't do, do these things to others, and I require the same from them. 
Keep up the great work, and blessings always to you and yours. Hint, it was one of the Duke's last films. Um, I have absolutely... John, Mike, either of you guys, I have no idea what that one is. You guys know that Westerns is like my weak spot, though. So some of you, as soon as you know that that's the, that's the soft underbelly of my action movie quote knowledge, or my movie quote knowledge, you go for that one time and time again, because... You know, I'm not I'm not so good on that one. All right, Nick, next up here. Uh, Buck, we talk plenty about tariffs placed on U.S. goods by countries like China. However, non-tariff trade barriers are just as important to consider when analyzing the risk of doing business with a country like China. For one, the Chinese often require joint ventures with terms in favor of the Chinese partner, and they do not recognize existing patents and trademarks and make companies apply for China-specific ones aside from the already obvious disregard for foreign intellectual property. Finally, the Communist Party has been artificially keeping the Chinese currency weak by printing more money, thus making Chinese exports artificially cheaper abroad and undermining competition. Nick, all true, all very good points. I do bring up sometimes, though, the other trade barriers. I think I've talked to you here about uh, even just uh, the the difference between a... uh, Import quotas, uh, import restrictions based upon health concerns, slowdowns of uh, of goods by uh, customs and duties inspection services. There's a lot of ways that they play games with trade. There's a lot of different ways that it that it happens. So, uh, but you raise some very good points, and I appreciate it. Ben writes, "Hey Buck, I love your radio show. Ben, you have fantastic taste, my friend. It's great to hear the truth. Keep up the good work." You are truly a patriot. Well, Ben, you are truly a patriot, and you're a kind man, and you just made my day a little better. So thank you very much for your note. It is appreciated. Uh, All right, here we go. Hey, Buck, this is from Katie. You rightly guessed that you would catch some flack about your Scrooge attitude toward fireworks. Yep. The idea originated with John Adams, who said, This, the second day of July 1776, will be the most memorable epoca In the history of America, I am apt to believe that it will be celebrated by succeeding generations uh, as the great anniversary festival. It ought to be commemorated as the day of deliverance by solemn acts of devotion to God Almighty. It ought to be solemnized with pomp and parade, with shows, games, sports, guns, bells, bonfires, and illuminations from one end of the continent to the other from this time forward forevermore. It is therefore the most patriotic way to celebrate Katie, well, Katie, thank you, and I'm not saying it's not patriotic. I'm not saying people shouldn't do it. I'm just saying it's a little boring. I mean, look, I my my windows were rattling from the fireworks display here in D.C. last night, so I get it, right? It, but it's just not my, it's just not my jam, yo. It's just not how this this funky guy rolls. It is what it is. Uh. Patrick writes in, hey, Buck, I did like Creed the first time I heard them. Oh, when they were called Pearl Jam and then also wearing a MAGA hat here. No shame. Sorry, I had already read that other one before. I forgot. But thank you, Patrick. The MAGA hat looks great. Uh, David, here we go. Buck, you mentioned on your show yesterday that liberals seem to live in a different world. Yes, they have to believe what they do and fight for the causes they believe. For example, they completely ignore history and what Obama did. They howled with outrage over Trump congratulating Putin on his election until reminded that Obama did the same thing. 
They deny science and believe a human being in the womb is not a human being. Otherwise, they could not justify killing it. They deny anatomy and claim a person can be something other than male or female, despite DNA being binary, male or female, and on and on. They are a delusional bunch. Otherwise, their entire existence would crumble and fail. I agree, David. So thank you for that. Uh, Erica writes, yes, Mexico could get even worse. It is truly sad. Mexico should be one of the very best places to live. They have natural resources, a strong work ethic, and respect for education and family bonds. Uh, Even for the extended family, which is lost in most Western countries, but Mexico is being destroyed by crime and violence. You don't get a stable society and prosperity when working hard and growing richer just puts a kidnapping price tag on your kids. Uh, Erica, I know Mexico is in really, really bad shape right now, and people don't talk about it enough here. And it, it seems to me that there's just an unwillingness to even begin to to try and deal with this. I don't know. It seems to me like they are not. Um, they are not meaning people discussing it, right? Not, not. I don't mean Mexico. I mean that the press. They're not even looking at this problem. Um, it's terrible. Uh, what's going on down there? Uh, all right, next up here, Chuck, who writes to Buck. Buck, you said you didn't see the point of a fireworks display, but to me, an awesome show of pyrotechnics coupled with patriotic music is a great way to celebrate our nation's birthday. Well, Chuck, you are entitled to your opinion, sir, as I am to mine. And I am right and you are wrong, but nonetheless, I appreciate you sharing your love of fireworks with me here on the show. You, you know what? Most overrated things. Fireworks, picnics, live music. I know, I said it. That's right. Oh, no, Buck. I went to the Grateful Dead, and it was the most amazing experience of my life. I'm not saying it it is always bad. I'm just saying it's overrated. Most of the time, when you go to a live concert, you're getting pushed around. You're not comfortable. It's too loud, or you're too far from the stage, or there's always problems. There's always problems. Yeah, that's right. I'm the Grinch. I'm the conservative Grinch. Jar writes, Buck, on the subject of fireworks, I'm actually on your side on this one. I still enjoy seeing a good display, but I'm not really going to inconvenience myself for one. One thing's for sure, it's definitely not something I'm down with paying for. Maybe we're just a couple of jaded sons of guns. Shields high, Jar. Jar, I think you're onto something there, but I'm glad that you see it the right way, my friend. High five. Uh, Team... I'm out tomorrow. The Godfather Mike Opelka is in, but there will be a Freedom Hut podcast, so do get ready for that one tomorrow. Please go on to Apple Podcast or Stitcher and look for the Freedom Hut with Buck Sexton. Mike will be in for you tomorrow. I will see you all Monday. Shields high.